You're listening to TFM. Want to join in the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners' discussion group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field, and we'll look forward to seeing you there. Hey, everyone. I'm Rod Roddenberry, and you're listening to Trek FM. Well, hello and welcome to TFM's local books and comic show for Star Trek. I am just one of the hosts here, Matthew Rushing, and so excited to have back with me. Well, Casey, uh, you looking a little vintage today. <laughs> yes, got my vintage 1982 <laughs> shirt on. <laughs> Man, fantastic, fantastic. All parts original. Yeah, pretty good year, pretty good year, uh, 82, so... Uh, but we're uh, excited to be here at Literary Checks, and we've got a great show to start off uh, 2023. Uh, we're going to be uh, heading into um, some dark matters with Star Trek Voyager is one of the series we're going to be covering this year. So that's going to be fun. Uh, we've got a lot else coming up. We've even uh, got, of course, brand new book coming out with John Jackson Miller He's got his Strange New World book, The High Country, that's going to be coming out soon. Uh, Casey and I have our review copies, and we're going to be able to talk to John on the show, which we can't wait to be able to do. And, man, I'm so excited to dig into this, Casey. I haven't even touched it yet, but, like, in the sense of, like, getting to crack it open, because yeah. I was reading the book for today. Uh, but, man, this... uh I just... I like holding hardcover books. Oh, yeah. You know? It's, it's got a oh, nice so feel. Great. It's It's, like... It's a long one too, so I'm I'm really excited to get into yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, and that Anson Mount, he's just a good looking guy, handsome devil. Know? So really, really good looking guy. Anyway, uh, that's uh, we're excited that everybody's here with us uh, as we kick off another year of literary treks. Uh, we hope that uh, you enjoy the show. Of course, uh, we would really appreciate uh, you subscribing wherever you're listening to this. That way, you'll get the show as soon as it drops. Uh, of course, you could find us all over social media, too. We'd love if you would follow us over at Trek FM on Twitter and Instagram. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash Trek FM. There is a listeners-only discussion group you can join as we uh, have a place for listeners all over the world to be able to talk about our shows. And, of course, you can find us online at track.fm. And we would also really appreciate you going over to Patreon and supporting us through Patreon. Uh, we've got some great associate producers over there for this show, uh, Greg Rosier and Casey Pettit. Uh, we just love that they support us here. And, of course, we could use your help as well. So go to patreon.com slash trekfm and be part of our team and make sure all of these shows keep coming to you each and every week. Well, Casey, uh, we've got a lot in the news, actually. Uh, of course, I mentioned, you know, there before that the high country is coming out. So everybody's going to want to pick that up. Uh, you know, we got to support our Star Trek books when they're coming out new right now because we're not getting a lot. And if you want more, you got to buy them. So uh, one thing that we're really excited about, we don't actually know the release date of it. But they announced that the autobiography of Benjamin Sisko is coming out by Derek Tyler Attico, which I think that's how you'd say his last name. Hopefully, if if it's not correct, he'll he'll uh, listen to the show and uh, re, you know let us know on Twitter. Uh, but I, of course, am very excited about this, um, and I'm going to be very interested to see just how they're going to do this. Of course, uh, because you know, uh, are they going to have Cisco having come back from the Celestial Temple? I mean, how is this all going to work? I thought, I've, I, but I'm, you know, to get another one of these books, uh, I'm super excited about. Yeah. And from somebody new to the Star Trek book milieu, uh, yeah, this is super exciting. Um, you know, it'd be really great if we could get the author 
on the literary treks. So again, if he's listening, <laughs> we would love to set something up. But yeah, this, uh, I actually saw a comment on Facebook or somewhere that uh, hopefully this book is written non-linearly so that we have a little bit of, uh, you know, taste of, of uh, non-linear storytelling with Benjamin Sisko, the emissary. I, you know, I, I actually, believe it or not, have not read any of the other autobiographies, but this one I am going to devour as soon as it's available to me. So I, I, just, I can't wait. This, this is one people have been waiting for for a long time. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, you know, I have read most of the other autobiographies so far. And so to me, this one is is a really interesting one to come out. And obviously, you know, I, I think a big part of that just comes from the fact that there are so many uh, questions that we do have about Cisco and, um, you know, about his life and, and putting all this together, it was going to be really interesting. And, and I, I also, again, kind of wonder, are, are they in any way going to utilize this as an opportunity to, you know, uh, bring, uh, Cisco back or uh, in, in some way, you know, um, and, who knows? Uh, but I, I'm I'm very excited that this is happening. I think it's going to be great. Of course, coming from Titan Books, just like the others have as well. So, um, but uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to this. Uh, and you know, I I think what's great is that we're not getting a lot to celebrate Deep Space Nine's 30th anniversary, really. Uh, and this is, I think, a fantastic way to be able to do that. Um, and so I'm uh, really looking forward to getting a chance to read it. So uh, Casey, uh, we've got a lot of Star Trek comics that came out. Um, yep. And so we're going to talk through a bunch of them here. And uh, the first one, it, we're in our series just called Star Trek. And this one has been a rip roaring adventure so far. And what did you think of this issue? It was all right. <laughs> um, you know, of course, it's kind of given away, I think, a little bit at the end of the last issue, but definitely on the cover of issue three, you know, we've got Q showing up. And, um, you know, I, I don't know. It's, you know, we saw how Q worked early on in Deep Space Nine. Uh, but we're also dealing in this kind of overarching story uh, with the prophet sending Benjamin on this kind of quest to find some of these other, you know, godlike beings. And Q is a godlike being. So I guess it kind of makes sense for him to show up. It's kind of a one shot story, which is kind of nice because I don't, I don't know if I'd want Q so much uh, to show up later on. Um, but uh, especially because the artwork for Q, sometimes I didn't even realize that it was Q. Um, yeah. The, uh, can we just talk about that for a second? Yeah. That the artwork <laughs> in this was not great. No. Yeah. The this one in particular, uh, I don't know if it was a different uh, different artist or anything, but yeah, it was it was markedly different from the other ones, and wasn't as much of a fan. Um, most of the characters, you could kind of tell who they were. Jake was practically unrecognizable uh q i feel like was blonde towards the end so um you know cisco and beverly they were okay but um yeah overall i mean just as a story it was kind of a a little bit of a fun one shot but um i, I i'm kind of looking forward to getting kind of back to what we have what we've had in the first couple issues yeah I, I think the biggest thing in this one uh, and, and where I think the storyline for or having Q here really helped uh, in some ways was the fact that, you know, this was a story where, you know, Beverly is having questions about Cisco and, you know, in some ways kind of his competency um from coming back from the prophets and the celestial temple, trying to kind of judge where he is, I think mentally, physically, emotionally, uh, not so much spiritually. Uh, and by having Q show up by the end of the, the issue, 
You know, she is very comfortable with Cisco as the leader of this group, which I thought was great. And and part of that become is because of the way he handles Q. Uh, and that he obviously, of course, handles Q very differently than Jean-Luc does. And, and in some ways, it was interesting to be able to watch her uh, appreciate that. And so, yeah, I, I mean, this is, I think you said it really well. This is kind of a one-shot issue in the sense that it does continue our storyline, but it gives us that one taste of Q that you would expect when you're dealing with somebody eating godlike beings um, throughout the galaxy. Uh, it's like, uh, you know, a doomsday machine for the gods. And so it makes sense that he would show up. And I enjoyed this issue. Uh, I think this continues to be a very strong series so far. Um, and I really like the way they're utilizing all the characters. Um, you know, I, I think our Vulcan character here was the one really strangely strange character um yeah. I, and um i'm 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 feeling like they're going to actually go somewhere with this character and do something interesting with him um but i i i i was in all honesty i'm even having trouble getting words up because it was like i don't know what to make of how they're portraying him as a character just yet yeah i was kind of feeling the same way it's it was interesting how they introduced the character um, to Lear. Like we get one of those little personnel files that gives a little bit about his past and a clearly troubled past and kind of the nervousness of starting on this ship. And so we're, it, it feels like we're really seeing kind of the beginning of a new chapter in this character's life. And I thought it was kind of an interesting way to introduce him. And then, you know, meeting up with Jake and kind of this weird side quest that they went on. And um, I, like I said, it was an interesting way to int introduce this character to us. Um, interested to see where they take him. And otherwise I, I, by the end of the story, I don't feel any closer to this character than I did before ever knowing him so yeah it's uh, a little ambiguous at this point yeah i completely agree um but i i feel like you know the series just continues to move along strong and you know i, I actually am looking forward to the fact that hopefully you know jake and and benjamin can reconnect uh because of the series because uh, Jake is on the ship there. Uh, it seems almost in the role of chef, um, which is kind of great. And, uh, you know, this is this really is. It's been a great comic so far. And uh, to me right now, uh, the run of this and then our next comic, uh, Star Trek Resurgence number three. That's another comic that has, I think, really continued to be strong. Like this third issue uh, I, I, I'm into the story. I'm into what's happening. Um, I love the back and forth. I love the way that we're using the fallout of the Dominion War here to tell the story as well. And being in that time period, since there's so little in quote unquote canon right now, um, with this. And so to me, uh, these two comics, I'm enjoying every single issue that we've been getting so far, which, in all honesty, with Star Trek comics has been a real hit or miss for me, you know, for years. But this lineup of Star Trek and then Star Trek Resurgence, uh, I'm I'm really been uh, enjoying and, and I find myself like eagerly anticipating the next issue. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've especially in recent runs of Star Trek comics like um I, I've already forgotten what the mirror was it the mirror war or something like that that just was totally like all over the place. Mm -hmm. These yeah these comics feel feel like they had kind of a cohesive story or at least some kind of outline uh before they started. And with this with the ones just simply titled Star Trek, I mean we don't we don't know how long that's gonna go like uh, we're assuming that it's just basically gonna be a continuing series. Whereas Resurgence essentially is going to kind of be ending probably around the time that the comic or sorry, that the uh, video game comes out. 
but there's clear story arcs that we're following. We know where they're going. And that's definitely what I appreciate about these because I'm right there with you. Yeah. I, I can't wait for the next issues to come out. I want to see where they go from here. I'm not constantly questioning what are we doing reading this story? You know, like, um, you know, resurgence continues to get me excited about this video game that I'm probably not going to be able to play because <laughs> I don't have the Xbox one or anything. Yeah. No, I, I'm right there with you. And, you know, I'm, I'm specifically kind of not talking about the plot of this one because there's a lot that happens and, and I'd hate to like actually ruin it for anybody. Uh, you know, if you've been reading the, the comic, it's, it's go ahead. You know, this, this is another great issue. I think, um, and, you know, if you haven't been reading it, it's interesting. Somebody, it was either on the Babel conference or on Twitter, mentioned the fact that our conversations about resurgence were um, making them actually get the comic, which I was really excited to hear. Yeah. But I'm actually just excited that we've been able to be so positive about these two comics so far. Uh, and, and I really hope that that will continue Uh the last comic that we do have is we're continuing with the Alien series. This one was Trill. And not that I disliked the comic or anything, but I felt like, you know, we've had so many stories about the Trill on Deep Space Nine alone um, with, you know, Jadzia, Esri, uh, and then, of course, on into the books. I didn't really feel like that this story added anything to my understanding of the Trill or was necessarily necessary as a comic. Um, so it's not bad. It's not good. It's just kind of there for me. And I actually found it disappointing because of that, because the Trill are fascinating to me. But there was really no new ground that was covered here, which made me wonder, OK, like you said about the Mirror War, it's like, why are you reading this? Yeah, I I actually wasn't even aware that this one was coming out. And so, I mean, that was my first thought too. Like, oh, okay, we're, we, we have a Trill comic. That's neat. And I mean, you know, you're not really watching Discovery. And, and we've actually had some Trill stories on Discovery now too that I felt like in some ways uh, bettered the understanding of the trill kind of even more than we got or kind of expanded on what we got in deep space nine. And yeah, I'm in complete agreement. I'm not sure why we needed this one. Um, and, and I was actually kind of confused through about half of it, uh, until I kind of understood where they were mm -hmm. going with it. And I, I would say right. actually the second half of this comic is a lot stronger than the first half of it, which, it it made it a bit of a slog to get through and we're you know we're talking 40 pages which is it's long for a comic but still you know i read it in you know a pretty short time so um yeah it's characters we don't know it's actually yeah the only thing familiar about this is just the trill themselves and so i you know by the time we ended the story uh, I'm kind of like, okay, so I read another comic. I, well, this character shows up somewhere else. I don't really have any feelings for her or any of the other characters that we saw. Right. So, it, I mean, it's got like a good kind of redemptive story at the end. But again, I'm not sure that that mm -hmm. makes up for kind of the the pretty rough start that it had. So it, yeah, it really is kind of middle of the road for me as well on that one. Well, with all of the comics that we had to talk about, I'm I am very much looking forward to the fact that we are diving into a new book series uh, as we are going to be talking through mentioned earlier, Dark Matters, uh, which is a Star Trek Voyager uh, book series that was set during the the, the fifth season, I believe. Uh, and so if I remember, yeah, it was the fifth season. Yes, you're remembering correctly, Matt. Uh, but uh, I don't know, Casey, how about we get, you know, go get lost in the Delta Quadrant? It's dark there. One of the things that I kind of love about these Star Trek books that I've never read is that, you know, I try to try even stay away from the blurbs about the book. So I just kind of come in not really knowing anything. And the the biggest part of this series is the fact that 
Chrissy Golden picks up a thread from the series, first season's episode, uh, The Needle's Eye, and um, we use this Needle's Eye as a catalyst for this entire book series. Um, And so first things first, I I have to ask you, Casey, how you feel like using that story and that character of Telic uh, and the Romulans here as a story point then to create what we get in this three book series. I thought it was actually a really interesting thought. I, once I realized that's where they were going with this, I actually, I waited to watch that episode again until after I finished the book, but I'd almost recommend seeing that episode again first, just to refresh your memory. But, you know, like at this point in the publishing, I think this is like, um, what is this? Like the, well, the, there weren't very many Voyager books at this point. We're in like the, the 20s or, or so of books. So, I mean, you know, this takes place during season five, but, you know, we've only got 20 books that they've ever written. And so I think for the book reader and even for the, the show watcher, I guess, seeing a Romulan on the cover of a Star Trek book at this point probably a little risky since there was just the one episode that we really had a Romulan. Um, but it, it was fun because it's a familiar adversary for, um, I guess for Star Trek fans. Uh, but even then it gave, I guess our Voyager crew kind of something familiar to fight in this kind of unfamiliar land. And, using this um, Romulan that had come to their ship and kind of befriended them, I guess, only to find out that he was going to die, like, I don't know, a few years before that episode aired. Um, I don't know. It was just a really interesting kind of hook to use as a catalyst for the story. Yeah, I I agree with you. It was unexpected, and I think the biggest thing is, you know, when the book starts off with the Romulans, you're kind of wondering how in the world is this going mm-hmm. to tie in? And the way in which I think they do it is fascinating, especially, you know, that storyline uh, had so much to do with there being that micro wormhole. And she really picks up that story thread idea and uses it to full advantage to be able to create what we get in this series. I mean, I think to me, I, I, at the, I started the book, I'm thinking like, how are we going to connect this to, you know, the, the Delta Quadrant and how are we going to get there? And I, I do think that she does a great job of, of making that happen by creating something very unexpected, which comes in the form of this very powerful race called the Shepherds. And they're not as powerful as the Q, but they seem to have quite a bit of power, and we still have a lot to learn about them. Um, But there is a renegade faction of these led by someone called Liu, I think you might say it, something like that. Uh, And they've been helping... The Romulans harness dark matter for his own nefarious dark purposes, uh, which we don't understand even by the end of this book. We don't quite understand what it is that this this renegade shepherd is trying to use the Romulans uh, for. Um, he's promising them, you know, galactic domination uh, because they'll have this perfect cloak which uses dark matter. Uh, and, you know, he apparently needs Telex wormhole creating ability uh, for some reason. And so, yeah, this was, I think, a very good connection to the needle's eye and then building on top of that with the shepherds and, and this, this renegade specifically, uh, it's smart. I think it it was actually really well done. Um, And I I think created a a very interesting, you know, new villain. Yeah. I think 
having uh, almost getting some backstory on Telecromore and how he was, uh, I mean, he's a scientist that we know, but like that he was working with the Tel Shiar to create the, I mean, he was trying to create wormholes anyway, but then, you know, we get these shepherds that come in and they're going to use dark matter. And so like, he's trying like at the beginning of his story, even before we ever see him on the show is just trying to create a weapon, I guess, basically. And we, we find that when he actually encounters Voyager and he's, he's truthful with Janeway. Like he wants to, um, protect the timeline and you know it sounds like he's kind of had a change of heart uh and so once he gets back he's almost kind of forced into continuing his research with the wormholes and with the dark matter uh and again like even he's not sure what exactly he's supposed to be doing with this but now the problem is is that uh Liao knows that they're that Voyager exists and is in the future and his plan or her plan, his plan. Uh, Oh wait, no, that's um, I'm thinking of yeah, uh, it's his plan. Yeah. Yeah. His plan. But um, you know, but working with the Tel Shiar, um, I think that was Kala, Kale. A lot of names in here that are hard to pronounce. Yeah. It's the one at the bottom. Yeah. Kaylee or, I, I don't know how you would say Kaylee. it. So sure, it's probably. Yeah. <laughs> so he's he's working with Kaylee to uh, the of leader of the Tel Shiar to like capture Voyager to then use that to basically wreak havoc on the Federation, but it, of, of you know of their timeline, um, you know. But essentially, like the way the story starts out is like the, you know all these micro wormholes keep popping up and all the you know there's things happening on Voyager, people's personalities are kind of all out of whack and, you know, like, you know, Janeway's got a headache. I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, um, you know, we see um, basically Telic trying to contact Voyager to kind of warn them about what's kind of what's happening. Um you know, so at that point, we actually know he's trying to actually do good and ends up essentially getting stranded on Voyager when they beam him through the wormhole. Mm-hmm. And now he's kind of stuck in the future. So, you know, and learning that whole story from him and as he's kind of relaying some of this information to Janeway and um, it it was it was really interesting and just kind of a fun way to do something different. We're not dealing with the Kazon or the Borg or, you know, whatever. Like, um, you know, we're, we get the Romulans and, and this unknown threat that is obviously going to be the thread that takes us through all three of these books. So, um, you know, I kind of wish we got more information about, like, this dark matter and who the Shepherds are and everything. But that actually just makes me more excited to get into the other couple books. Yeah, I mean, I, I think she really does a good job of setting up the mystery of these characters. And like you said, uh, what makes it pretty fascinating is we don't actually get a lot of answers um, in this story, which in, in some ways is something that, you know, it's, it's like when you would have a three-part arc in you know, uh, D space nine or, you know, uh, when they would do the two parters, uh, for the next generation, you know, you, you weren't going to have the ability to, to have all of, all of, um, the answers in at one time. And I think they do a pretty good job of, of giving you uh, enough here, Mm -hmm. uh, and then, you know, making you interested as to where you're going to go next. And, I I think, you know, the most fascinating thing to me is the way in which, you know, these shepherds seem to understand dark matter in a way that, you know, we very much don't understand. And um, the, the, the whole thing about, you know, pulling uh dark matter into our universe in a way that it's not meant to be and that's what's causing this corruption and it can be very dangerous um and it mutates the dark matter 
and kind of corrupts things around it and makes them kind of fall apart uh, is is a great science fiction idea. Yeah. Um, I think it fits really well just with the type of Star Trek mysteries that we are used to. Um, and so, yeah, I, I'm also glad that, you know, we aren't dealing with just another omnipotent race that is so similar to the Q where they could just snap their fingers, basically, um, but they're not going to, you know, um, and so... Because of that, I, I think we do have a, a pretty good mystery on our hands. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to seeing how that mystery then plays itself out in the next books. Um, because, uh, you know, we really do have the setup for something that could be really cool. And I think that's the thing that I'm, I'm really interested to see. Are we able to take this really good idea and then move forward with it in a way that not only keeps my attention, but actually really fulfills the desire to have this finish well, which is, I think, you know, with with any Star Trek series or, or you know with any book, that's that's a really important thing. You you do want to feel like okay, we put in that time of reading the series, and I'm now I'm glad that I read the series because things really paid off well. Um, so yeah, one of the things I thought was interesting was that the the Good Shepherds, I guess, um, basically. They they help the crew out. They find all the mutated dark matter around the ship that's been kind of um, altering people's behaviors. And, um, you know, Neelix tried to murder Telecromore at one time. It was just totally out of character. And, and as a side note, I'll say, like, during the lead up to, I guess, that, that revelation of, of what was happening and, and the mutated dark matter that was on the ship, the... The writing was pretty good, but I actually got kind of confused because so much was happening that seemed out of character. And until Neelix, you know, actually tried to murder, like he tried to stab Telecromore, that's when it finally became clear that kind of something was amiss. And, you know, I, I just remember like kind of as I was reading, it, I was like, man, this doesn't sound like Janeway or this doesn't sound like Chakotay or Paris or whoever. And then to find out, Oh, that's that was on purpose. Mm-hmm. Okay, you know. yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It, it reminded me. It reminded me of, of uh, Anchorman, where he's like, "Yeah, Brick straight up murdered a guy with a trident." Yeah. <laughs> like, you might want to go into hiding. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and that's. I mean, that's what it was like. It was like, what is Neelix doing? This doesn't make any exactly. Sense. Yes, <laughs> um, it was very strange. Yeah, but we've got these. Um, you know, essentially Voyager has a mission now that's that's kind of pertains to this because the Shepherds, I, th- I think because they're kind of not fully in our own universe or, you know, they're kind of almost in between, you know, the regular matter universe and the dark matter universe or something. Um, they need Voyager to go around, kind of even backtrack throughout the Delta Quadrant to uh, help kind of find and contain all of this mutated dark matter and get it out of our universe. And I, I, the, my favorite quote in this book is really just when Paris kind of, when they're outlining this plan and Paris kind of says, wait, you're godlike beings. Can't you just take care of this yourself? And I couldn't help but think, what does God need with a starship? Cause that's yeah. kind of what yes, it felt it's a great like, point. But, like, yep. Yep. Um, at the God same time, I also kind of didn't, didn't question it too much because, um, I don't know, it just kind of made sense. I mean, the explanation was, well, that they needed somebody fully in this universe to go around and, and help. And, mm-hmm. you know, we, we even get this um, kind of mysterious character that shows up who's actually pulled into our universe from another one like a dark matter universe like her dna is backwards it's like everything you know the doctors look at her dna and can't make sense of it. she even looks at her dna and she's like mine's normal yours is the one that's messed up 
and it's it's kind of a really interesting thing to see where this character is going to go because you know how are we going to deal with this character how are we going to get her home and and what what role i guess is she going to play in this whole mystery yeah i i agree with you there uh the kayla is uh her name is much more normal um but uh i i was right there with you i thought the idea of having a character who came into our universe who is such a mystery because their DNA compared to ours is backwards. That's crazy, right? Like that's the, and that's a very fun, very Star Trek style mystery, which I think fits perfectly within this. And it, it seems as though that this character is going to be, you know, pretty important then to solving the rest of the mysteries that we are trying to solve. And I'm looking forward to that very much uh, in this in this. Uh, and, you know, I, I think it fits very well within the idea of, you know, Star Trek doing the whole, you know, alternate universes and, you know, myriads of universes where all of these different things can happen um, in completely different ways. So very much like that, and that w- was a lot of fun, and I think it's it's one of those places where, again, I think Christy Golan created some good mysteries for this series so that you would be, you know, ready for uh, the, the next books, you know, like, you, and you would want to read them. Because you don't answer all of the mysteries right up front, which, you know, would be stupid. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but what did you, so with the book, this is, this is something else that was uh, interesting about the series is there's a, there's a, with all the weird stuff that's happening, Chakotay has been, he, you know, he goes to his medicine bundle and he, um, tries to contact uh the uh the ancestors and in in his vision in his vision quest uh he runs into the coyote which is the trickster and finds himself in a place where he he doesn't know if he can trust um what he saw there with that um there's a moment where he is able to kind of see everything and kind of understand everything. Uh, Like he gets this revelation about what's happening with Kayla, the dead planet that they find the shepherds on uh, and the true nature of dark matter. And so he steps through this light doorway that appears and is gone. And do you feel like, that she did a good enough job of kind of setting up the fact that Chakotay would be able to just like, and, and that creating another good mystery. Is that one you're interested in? Um, yeah. Did that work for you? Yes. And no, (laughs) the, and I, I guess I, I put a caveat on it. We'll see, (laughs) um, you know, what did, it kind of depends on what we get, in the other two books and, and, you know, mm-hmm. how he explains it to Tom. Cause Tom was, I think all but unconscious or he might've been unconscious. Right. I know that Chakotay just grabbed him and ran through the door cause he knew yep. somehow that he needed help with him. Um, because yeah, just from his vision quest, I mean, some of, some of, uh, the, some of the description or whatever that we got from his vision quest, helped a little bit in his description of the coyote and everything, but that was a very quick scene towards, you know, the end of the book. And, and I mean, I think partly on purpose, just because, um, Chakotay really only has kind of a split second to, to kind of, for things to click and know that he needs to run through this light doorway. Um, so I'm expecting and I'm hoping for more explanation kind of towards mm-hmm. the beginning of the next book or whenever yep. it is that so we catch up with Tom and Chakotay again. But, you know, just what we got so far, not too satisfied that he was uh, able to pick up on all the clues that he needed to. But 
Um, I am very interested though, where that aspect of the story is going because he's now just mm-hmm. missing. Both of them are just missing from the ship while Voyager has to go, you know, back throughout the Delta quadrant to try to collect all the dark matter. Right. Well, and they're told by Talon that he's in the right place. Like then, and that they'll see him again, but that he's where he needs to be, which, you know, that, it, that is interesting, you know, of all the people to, you know, she also mentions to Janeway that, you know, maybe he's the most enlightened of you all, uh, yeah. which very much fits with the, the character that we know from the series. And so I, I think I'm, I'm with you to where what needs to happen for me to, kind of feel like this mystery was maybe the right choice is 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 for it to pay off well in the rest of this series and and to feel like we really to feel like okay Chakotay and Tom leaving and going on this other side mission uh is is actually worth the journey and you know in the end that's pretty much every episode that you watch, you know, and, and you're hoping that it pays off in the end. And so, but it, it did seem like uh, just kind of an abrupt shift, you know, to all of a sudden just have them disappear. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, th- I will say one of the things about this book is it is ridiculously short. Yeah. Uh, and so it almost felt like, and I'll ask you about that. It, it, so there were parts of the story where I felt like we were padding a short book mm-hmm. and that it could have just maybe maybe been a duology instead of a trilogy maybe uh, if they had gotten to the point more quickly. Uh, did you feel like that at all? Yeah, I'm very much, especially in the first part of the book, you know, while there was still the mystery of the mutated dark matter around the ship uh, and, you know, changing people's personalities and that kind of thing. Um, some of the interactions with the Tel Shiar and the the Bad Shepherd, I guess, were also. I mean, there was just a lot of dialogue between people going, you know, what's going on? We don't know, but we're gonna get you know these cloaks out of it, or you know, like a lot of extraneous mm-hmm. things. And yeah, like get, I mean, even. With the padding, this book is so short. They, I, I feel like they could have combined it with another book. I mean, it's this. This feels like half a book, just in in page count, I guess. Um, right. I, I'm just kind of thinking maybe they had story beats as they were outlining. I'm sure there was it was planned to be a trilogy, and so they wanted to make sure to end here with the first book, but just didn't really have enough story to go. Right into the next ones. I'm not sure how long the other ones are. I, I'm assuming they're going to be fairly slim as well, but I, I actually haven't taken a look at that yet, but to cut much out of this would almost make it a novella, which wouldn't be a bad thing either, but I don't know. It, it was still a, a fast and easy read. So even with the padding, it wasn't horrible in that way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you. I'm not in, in, and I don't think in any way I'm trying to, you know, denigrate the story itself or anything. I, I think what it is is just that I feel like it's it was very short. Um and because of that, um it it did feel like there there could have just been more um to the story or there should be more and of course I I know that there is more coming because we're you know, getting a, a two more books in the series, but it almost just felt like there just should have been, um, you know, more to this in the first place. Uh, and so, um, yeah, I, what's what's also, I think maybe the most surprising of this entire book is that we have some uh, bedfellows uh, in <laughs> in the story, and, and I was not expecting uh, this book to end on. Uh, the Tal Shiar agent, Kayla, uh, who'd been working closely with Lian Yu. Lian Yu, I don't know how you say his name. Uh. Um, so uh, I, I did not expect, 
you know, this, um, that the book ends on them plotting against Leah Yu uh, because apparently he can read minds too. And so uh, the best way to foil his plans is by a little good old fashioned getting down with getting down. Uh, And, uh, you know, so they, they have other things on their mind. Um, Therefore, you know, they, they, uh, you know, they, they can't be found out. Um, It was maybe the strangest end to a, a a Star Trek book uh, that I have, um, well, legitimately ever experienced. Yeah, it was, I mean, it really did come out of left field. Um, I totally forgot that they were doing that because um, Liao uh, could read minds. Um, and the sub commander who gets called in um, cl- clearly feels uncomfortable with this. He he just wants to get down and, and plot rather than, you know, doing what he needs to with the chairman of the Tel Shiar. Um, but, I mean... The sexy time aside, the it's uh, you know the Tal Shiar is doing what the Tal Shiar does best and looking out for themselves, and mm-hmm. uh, I, I'm not sure how she thinks she's going to outsmart the shepherds. Um, I guess that remains right. to be seen. Maybe we'll get a prologue in the next book that uh, returns to this intimate adventure already in progress or something. Uh, yeah. It, yeah, that that whole part was was strange. I, I like the mystery setting it up, you know, as an epilogue. Just a hey, we're plotting against the shepherds, but the uh, the the way that they went about it was, I yes, right there with you. Something I wasn't mm-hmm. expecting in a Star Trek yep. book. Yeah, uh, very odd, uh, very odd indeed. Um, so, uh, with all that said, Casey, I, I am. Uh, looking forward to seeing where you are going to be with your ratings here for Cloak and Dagger. I rated this one. Um, it's a three on Goodreads. I'm, I'm after talking today. I'm thinking I enjoyed it a little bit more than I, I did when I actually read it. Uh, so I, maybe a three and a half. But um, it does a fair job of setting up this mystery. Um, probably more than fair job of setting up this mystery. I'm, I'm very interested. I'm very much looking forward to getting into the next book to see where it goes. Um, some of the things like kind of what we're talking about with, with some of the padding did kind of detract a little bit from the story. And um, I understand that we needed to set up the mutated dark matter and changing people's personalities. I do feel though that it went on a little too long to the point where I was wondering if she just, forgot who these characters were and how they were supposed to act, you know, and like, and that paid off. I was very confused, but if we see it in, in the show, we kind of know that something's weird. It's harder to translate to paper. So, yeah. So I'm kind of, um, you know, three, three and a half, uh, specks of dark matter. Yeah. I, I feel like I'm there with you in this. Uh, I'm going to give this a three, uh, a three out of five attempted murders. Um, it's it is interesting, and I think that the the mysteries here do leave me wanting to see what happens next. I will say I think that I do wish that it had been a little bit easier to get there. Uh, in some ways, like that, the, the book felt a little bit more uh, cohesive in getting there, and that it felt like that there was more to the beginning of this story. So I had a slightly better understanding of all of the mysteries going into the next, you know, two books. Uh, because I do feel like there's just a lot there that, like, you know, we have legitimately no idea who these shepherds really are whatsoever. We we got very few answers in, in that. Um, and it, it seems like just giving a few more answers in that last scene with Taylin would have been really interesting. Um, and so that we we just had... 
a slightly better feel for the whole story. Mm-hmm. Instead of, you know, having it um, where Chakotay understands everything and then hops through a, 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 a light tunnel. Um, so, yeah. Um, but I am looking forward to seeing where we go next. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun to be on, you know, this dark matter journey. Well, we're in the middle of some great comic stories. We've started a Voyager adventure that we're going to continue. And I am very excited for next time when we're actually going to start a Deep Space Nine novel trilogy. Uh, and, and hopefully, uh, you know, being in even better space than this. We're both big fans of Deep Space Nine, so I can't wait to finally get into that one. Yeah, I mean, this is one of those things where, you know, we get so many uh, TOS uh, novels and uh, so many uh, things that kind of revolve around TOS. And uh, I, I really do like the opportunity for us to to be able to dive into uh, other things. Um, you know, I, I think that it's uh, it's about time, you know, and hopefully everybody here listening will in- enjoy getting into Voyager and Deep Space Nine. And of course, you know, we're going to have uh, other things that will be happening. But I'm I'm really excited about where we're going uh, for Literary Treks this year. So, uh, Casey, uh, before uh, we get out of here, uh, if people wanted to catch up with you and, you know, see what else you got going on, where would they find you? Yeah, you could find me on Goodreads, Letterboxd, Twitter, and Instagram at Knitting Trekkie. And you can also find me doing a podcast called Mickey's Marvels, where we talk about pretty much everything under the Disney umbrella, including Star Wars, Marvel, and I feel like something else I'm forgetting, but uh, those are the big ones. Well, and you can also find me all over the place uh, under the name Matt Rushing Zero Two. So, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Letterbox, Vero, all the places that I'm most active. Uh, of course, you could find me here on the network in the 602 Club talking about all of the fans we love, not just Star Trek, so much else we want to cover. Uh, you can also find me doing The Orb with Chris Jones. We talk about Star Trek Deep Space Nine. We're on our 30th anniversary rewatch. Uh, we've got Warp 5 on our 20th anniversary Enterprise rewatch. You can find me also on Saddle Up where we talk about Strange New Worlds and Star Trek Picard. It's just right around the corner with Season 3. And the Artificial Tango is the place you will find Chris and I talking all about that. And then over on the Nerd Party Network, you can find me with two shows. One is called Owl Post. I did that with Drea Kaufman. And we talked about every single chapter of the Harry Potter series, one chapter at a time. And then last but not least, John Mills and I talk about Star Wars over on Aggressive Negotiations. But thank you so much for joining us. And until next time, live long and read on. What do you call that light reading? To each his own, number one. <laughs>